who needs a stress test and how do you know you need a stress test? So this is a question that comes up a lot. I'm obviously a cardiologist. People send me patients a lot of times with the impression that I'm just going to order a stress test automatically. Now, not everyone needs a stress test, so let's talk about who does. So if you are having chest pain with exertion or some kind of shortness of breath, especially with exertion, then you need a stress test. Um, there's obviously other things that you might need too. You might need an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of your heart. You might need a few other things. But the one thing you definitely need is a stress test. Now, there's a lot of times when patients come in, they're like, you know, doc, I, I just don't feel right. I'm not sure if it's my anxiety. You know, my heart starts to race. I feel a little bit of tightness and squeezing. I can't breathe. Sometimes an inhaler helps. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, if I take a Xanax, it kind of helps, but sometimes it doesn't. So that's when like it's kind of confusing and we need to tease out whether or not it's cardiac. So that's when a stress test would be really helpful because if you pass a stress test, it is highly unlikely that what you have uh, is going to be cardiac. So and it also depends on obviously which kind of stress test we do, you know, the kind, the type, how long you last on the treadmill, et cetera. I think I did a whole podcast on that. Um, but those are the people that need a uh, stress test. So you come into my office now, if you're like, so let's talk about different kinds of stress tests. There's an, what we call a treadmill only. So, so stress tests usually come in two different varieties. There's one that's just an EKG and there's one that's an EKG plus imaging. Let's talk about the EKG. Every test has to have an EKG. We connect the leads to your chest. We have you exert yourself, whether it's with a treadmill or medications, and we watch your EKG. That part everyone gets. From the EKG, we can tell if your heart is getting ischemic, meaning not getting enough blood flow to certain areas, or if you're actually having a heart attack, we may actually give you a heart attack during the test. Very incredibly rare, but it does happen. Um, but the EKG can tell us a lot. The next step um, is the next part is imaging. Not all stress tests need imaging. Like if it's a 20-year-old, you can get away with just the treadmill and the EKG. You know, young people, very low suspicion of coronary artery disease, you could get away with just a stress test um, without the imaging. Now, if there's somebody who's like an intermediate range person who may or may not have something, they have multiple risk factors, they're hypertensive, obese, smoked for a number of years, um, they're coming in with chest squeezing chest pain when they exert themselves. Um, or sometimes maybe it doesn't happen when they exert themselves. It kind of happens occasionally here and there, but not always. They would need a stress test and imaging enhances the accuracy. So a stress test without imaging probably 75 to 85 percent accurate if you add imaging it ends up being more like 85 to 95 maybe more uh, percent accuracy so that would be a reason to do a stress test um, there's two kinds of imaging there's one that's nuclear imaging which is probably the most commonly used and there's another kind which is echocardiographic imaging which is an echo machine a girl or guy uh, echo tech will be there while you're doing the treadmill they take pictures before and after with an echo machine to see if your heart, various parts of your heart don't move as well as we expect. If they don't move as much as they should be moving during the stress test. Now, there's another kind of person you can throw into the mix. If somebody has coronary artery disease already, this is the patient who has atherosclerosis, had bypass surgery, had everything. If they come in and say, ouch, my chest hurts, and when I exert myself, it really hurts. When I stop, it gets better. You could argue that someone like that who's pretty high risk should probably just go straight to a cardiac catheterization. Now, there 
insurance may or may not approve it. But when somebody's high risk and you know they have coronary artery disease, there's no point in doing a stress. Let's say you do a stress and they pass the stress. Is it possible that they don't have coronary artery disease? No, because they already had bypass surgery. We know they have coronary artery disease. The question is just, is what's causing their chest pain now coronary artery disease or is it something else? So I could go either way on that one. The guidelines would say you could do straight cardiac cath or you could do some kind of uh, testing. Now, is there ever a reason to do an inpatient stress test? This, this is one of these things that is probably one of the most annoying things in the world. In reality, and in, in my experience, there really is no need for an inpatient stress test. I work in a lot of these hospitals out in the boonies. They do not have inpatient stress tests. A patient comes in, ouch, my chest hurts. We put them in overnight, check troponins. The troponin is a blood test that tells us whether or not you're having a heart attack. If the troponins are normal, you go home. You go see your doctor, your cardiologist, and then over time, they may order a stress test for you. They don't do it inpatient. I, I can think of maybe just a few rare scenarios where an inpatient stress test might be needed. Don't get me wrong. I've ordered them uh, occasionally, not very often, um, but definitely an inpatient stress test back in the old days when we did not have troponin. And I'm talking like before 2006, maybe 2004. I don't know. We've had troponin for a long time, uh, at least back in Chicago. I don't know other places, but back back in when I was a training in Chicago, we had troponin, and that was the whole point of troponin. They invented troponin so that you don't have to do inpatient stress tests. Before, what would happen is you would have somebody come in and say, ouch, my chest hurts, and we do a couple other blood tests called a CK and a CKMB, and we look at the percentage, and we try to figure out if they're really having a heart attack or not, and you really don't know half the time, and you admit them, and you watch their CK and MB, and you see if it goes up or down, and you know, then the next morning they do a stress test to find out if it really was their heart or not. So that's a bunch of nonsense. We do not need to do that anymore. We have troponin. Troponin is extremely sensitive and it is extremely specific. Your heart is the only organ, realistically speaking, your heart is the only organ, realistically speaking, that gives off troponin. If you have a troponin leak and troponin is elevated in your bloodstream, there is no doubt it is coming from your heart. Now, there are other things that could make your heart somewhat ischemic, which means a lack of blood flow to your heart. If you're hypotensive, you have low blood pressure, you're septic, your kidneys aren't clearing it. You know, there are other conditions. Pulmonary embolism can make you hypoxic. Anything that causes hypoxia, anemia, you know, things like that can leak troponin from your heart and strain your heart. That's given. That's not a question. Uh, the question is... Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, the question is, you don't need to do uh, str stress testing on these people that are inpatients um, just to find out if it was. If their troponin is negative, there's almost no chance in hell they're having an actual heart attack or any kind of heart damage, like not even cardiac strain, not even like a little bit. So if their troponin is negative, just send them home. You can work them up outpatient. Obviously, there's going to be exceptions to this rule, and we sometimes do order them, but it should be the exception uh, not the rule. So I hope that helps uh, explain stress testing uh, a little bit to everyone, when to order, who should get it, what it tells us, what it doesn't. Um, the positive predictive value of a stress test is much better if you choose the intermediate risk people. 
Someone who has coronary artery disease, you do a stress test, whether they pass or fail, it doesn't really matter because you already know they have coronary artery disease. Someone who's really low risk, like a 20-year-old, it's like, oh, my chest hurts. You do a stress test, whether it's positive or negative, the positive predictive value or negative predictive value is not that helpful either because you already kind of know that they don't have anything. Where it comes in handy, where the negative predictive value and positive predictive value make a huge difference is these intermediate risk people who you're not really sure it could go either way. If it's positive, that 50% chance goes up to an 85-90%. If it's negative, that 50% chance goes down to a 25 or 27% chance. So very important. I did a YouTube video on this with all the graphics and images and diagrams. Go check it out. Just look up stress testing or something like that on my YouTube channel. Anyways, if you like this kind of stuff and like talking cardiology, life, living, living a long, happy, healthy life, I highly recommend you join my community. We talk about this stuff every day. Go to drhallow.net slash community. Put in the code one month, the number one, all caps, month, M-O-N-T-H, and you will get a month for free. Join our live Zooms. We do it once a week and we talk about this stuff and you get an app. You can text me and talk to me all day and all night. I'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.